welcome to Prio's Peace in a Pod. My name is Indigo Trickhauger, and I'm a communicator at the Peace Research Institute, Oslo. My job here is to help researchers convey their work. Usually that means talking to the media, politicians, other stakeholders, and colleagues. With this podcast, that means talking to you. In the past few weeks, Nigeria has hit the headlines with news of protesters and state violence as young people took to the streets to demonstrate against the notoriously abusive Special Anti-Robbery Squad, or SARS. But there has been unrest across West Africa, for various reasons. Post-election violence in Guinea led to at least 21 deaths, and the upcoming elections in Ivory Coast don't bode well either. Today, I'm talking with two guests to try to understand the situation in West Africa a bit better. Norwegian-African Bintu Zahara Sakor is a research assistant at PRIO. Her key research areas include political and economic development of sub-Saharan Africa, youth bulges, democratization, and nonviolent resistance. Zahara holds a BA in international relations and a master's in conflict resolution from the University of Essex. Currently working as a senior advisor at NAV Kongsberg, Liberian-Norwegian Lai Sakor is a freelance political analyst and his research interest areas include political development and ethnic dynamics in West Africa. Lai holds a BA in political science from the University of Oslo. Welcome, Zahara and Lai. Thank you for joining me. Um, this is a really interesting topic. We're going to discuss West Africa and some of the various issues that are happening in, in several countries there, and not just Nigeria, but Nigeria has been dominating the headlines right now. Mm. We're going to talk more about uh, Guinea and the Ivory Coast. But first, Zahara, can you start us off with a little bit of a summary of what's happening in Nigeria, since that is what most of our listeners are going to relate to the most? Yeah, so basically what we experience across West Africa, in particular the Nigeria, is uh, a youth-led protest against uh, a group called SARS. And just to give you like a bit of context about who SARS is, is is a special branch of the Nigerian police force, which was created in 1992. And its SARS were actually the SARS, which basically stands for the Special Anti-Robbery Squad. They actually were tasked to deal with uh, one of the biggest issues faced um, by many cities across Nigeria, which is firearms and robbery. However, in the recent years, we the, the population or the youth noticed how um, the SARS was actually committing a lot of inhuman acts and human rights violations, such as extrajudiciary killing, tortures, and other illegal activities, which no one was taking accountability for. And this has led to a surge in protests um, with various youth group taking street and basically demanding more rights and more accountability from the government. Uh, however, the government did respond, but it responded later after basically using force against the demonstration, which has resulted with death of a lot of people and also doesn't have been also wounded in this demonstration. So just to give you a brief uh, context, this is what's happening there now. And there has been, the government has basically disbanded the group. However, we see that the issue is bigger than that and the demonstrations are still continuing, but this is because of the economic situations and other political situations taking place in the region. And there's definitely a, an age element as well, it seems that 
there's a lot of young people involved in these protests and um, the president has, has kind of been accusing the, these protesters, demonstrators of threatening national security and asking these young people to stop protesting because they need to engage in a dialogue with the government. But understandably, there's a lot of resistance to that kind of approach because they have experienced so many years of this kind of, mm-hmm. of uh, state mm-hmm. violence. So lie it's not only nigeria where we're seeing unrest protests and and um various uh violent and nonviolent uh issues can you tell us a little bit a little bit about the overall situation in west africa i realize that's quite a Mm. ask but there's certainly a lot of important things that haven't been covered in the media so maybe you can summarize some of those things for us Mm. yeah before i can come uh i can start talking about uh other i just want to underline one thing here about nigeria you know when when young people are protesting and demanding, you know, their right. So we have to understand it, what is going on. So uh, it, you know, it telling us that something is wrong somewhere. Maybe it is bad governance. Yeah. So a lot of corruption is going on. So, and they have been talking about this SARS here for over and over. So it has been said that SARS is supposed to be dissolved early. But it never has happened. So, but I think this year time, this year, I think the president has to do something because SAR has demanded, they have five key demands. For example, immediately release for all of all arrested protesters, justice for all deceived, deceived victims of police brutality and appropriate compensation for their family, setting up an independent body to oversee the investigation and prosecution of all reports of police misconduct in line with the new police act, uh, psychological evaluation and retraining, and increase police salary so that they are adequately compensated for protecting lives and uh, property. So these are their five demands. So hopefully the government has to come out and uh, accept it because they say that these demands have to be uh, approved before they are going back from the street. But, yeah, in other part of Africa, uh, West Africa, so there's election dispute in Guinea, and there's also elections coming on in Africa. But Guinea, election in Guinea has been, um, has been described as... Uh, there have been a lot of tension in in election uh, election process. For example, when we talk about election, is two is three thing. You know, campaign before election and vote casting that day and resolve. But during the campaign, we have seen a lot of ethnic tension from uh from the start of uh campaign to now. So in Guinea now, I think it's very important that we have to start talking about Guinea. Because it is a country that has been holding, that has been very peaceful for uh, some year, for a lot of years since independent. Because all other neighboring countries have experienced, um, have experienced civil war. For example, Liberia and Sierra Leone, even Guinea-Bissau, and now uh, insecurity in Mali, and also Africans have had their uh, civil war. So Guinea has been one of the country that has not experienced it, but uh, political tension and ethnic tension can lead to conflict, 
and I can say it, it can lead to bigger conflict than uh, we have seen in other areas because all these ethnic groups that combine uh, in Guinea, you can see them in other countries. For example, you can see Fulani yeah, in Guinea, the opposition party led by former Prime, uh, Prime Minister Selou Dalen Jalo, and he is Fulani. And Alpha Conair, he is the current president and he's seeking the third term. So he is from Malinke or Madingo uh, tribe. So if you see all these West African countries, you see these, not all, but most of these West African countries, you will see all, uh, most of these tribes. You may see Madinke uh, or Malinke or Madingo in Liberia, Sierra Leone, and you can, uh, Africa's. And then you see them in Guinea, you see them in Mali, you see them in Senegal, you see them uh, in Gambia. So Gambia. So you can see also Fulani in all these countries. So it is very important that um, people have to come and work together to solve these problems. So, uh, so, but Guinea politics is very different from other because, uh, because politics go go in line with uh, ethnic because people are voting for their ethnic leader. It's like that, that they are voting for their ethnic leader, not for the party, uh, not what, what the party stands for. Yeah, most of these people are voting. Maybe they have not gone to school. They don't know what the party program is about, but they are voting because of these parties belong to me. For example. Right. Yes, it's very much about loyalty and uh, and ethnic ties. Yeah, exactly. Um, Zahara, maybe can you can you tell us a little bit more about these ethnic tensions crossing borders and how uh, people are supporting or not supporting um, different countries, protest movements, elections, and and, and so on? Yeah, I think uh, just so like we iterate what, what Lai said, I think that the the ethnic dimension of this conflict or this tension is what my um, later on become a more bigger issue because you have you have these various ethnic group living across these various places and this can lead to people wanting to side with various et- like their own ethnic group and if we see this kind of uh, trend we're most likely to see not only like internal conflict within let's say for example Guinea but we're most likely to see a regional conflict so this is one of the reasons why I wrote um, a blog post which gonna basically try to analyze how this internal conflict within these specific uh, country can lead to a, eventually a, um, a regional conflict. And I think that another thing that also should not gone missing is the, the current situation in this, uh, this region is not only political turmoil and the issues of third mandate, uh, but also we're seeing the, a lot of economic decline and a lot of political uh, other political issues such as terrorism, rising terrorism in countries such as Mali, Burkina Faso, and northern Nigeria. So I think that there is a various political and economic situation taking place there. And a lot of the youth, which constitute a majority of the population, are actually they fed up and they want change. However, there's, there's a lack of change being observed throughout the region at the moment. So... Mm. Uh, 
as well, we see a lot of outside interest. Um, this isn't pro- probably that surprising, but for example, um, Macron mm. has gotten a lot of flack lately because he, when he was elected, he said he was going to revise uh, France's Africa policy. In fact, he said there wouldn't really be a policy because he wanted to get rid of these old colonial ideas. Mm. But it's an unavoidable tie. Mm. And it's not just France. I mean, of course, there are other organizations interested. There's there's the UN and ECOWAS as well. Mm. Um, you also have Russia as well. Russia is one way or another involved. You have Turkey is involved as well. So I think that this, it can potentially be a bigger problem than what we see. So that's why the need of resolving these issues is more urgent than what people make it look. And I think that we also have to think about um, the long-term effect of this. We've seen that the region has experienced civil war over and over again. How would that impact development of the region? And I think that Macron's statement of reviving um, this political political leaders and stuff, we also have to take into consideration how France has supported a lot of these dictators for example. So mm-hmm. the, the neo-politics... Uh, Z- Zara, yeah, what, what you were saying something here is very important, you know, um, concerning about youth. Um, we see that most of these youth, they are the one who can be radicalized, you know, mm-hmm. all over. So in Africa, if even if it's Africa or, or out of Africa. So if there's no peace between uh, between brothers, between citizens, between uh, citizens, so it will become uh, people may be radicalizing to use force to to, to, to get their will, and that mm-hmm. is that, that is very sad, and that is that that can lead to conflict. So um, so people has to try to work in different area how to dissolve this tension. So it's good that African Union and ECOWA and uh, 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 and uh, Mano River Union, for example, I'm talking about Guinea, so are there to dissolve this tension, but mm-hmm. it's also difficult because uh, because of this ethnic line, you know, going all uh, through all these uh, these borders. For example, uh, during the election, Guinea shut down their uh, their their border. Toward, uh, toward um, Senegal, toward uh, Guinea-Bissau, and toward Sierra Leone, but they did not shut down their border toward Africa and Mali and you know, and Liberia. So there's reason why. Mm. Yeah, why? So they, they asked the president. The president uh, said that you know he was accusing. Um, uh, other countries to be meddling in their election. Mm. So, so um, I think I think if there's no if if the international community is not going there to support, it will be very difficult because it may lead to radicalizing lot of these young people, like mm. we have seen in other areas. So, um, so and the election in Africa is also saying the same thing it's just like it's not just confrontation uh, uh it's not like a, a battle between political parties but it's also a battle between ethnic line like for example uh alassane watra he seeking his third term 
So when he's seeking his third term, so it becomes a lot of problems. So his party, mainly his supporter, people that supporting his party are mainly Jula and also the Noftina. Those are from Noft. While other candidates, they are Softina. You know, and it has been a lot of tension there, and people are killing each other, you know, uh, for political reason, but they are using uh, ethnic to justify it. Mm. Zahara and Lai, you can add to this as well, but Zahara, first, how do you think the coronavirus situation has maybe exacerbated this even more? Mm. Um, do you think that that is a factor here? Yeah, I think that's a big, big factor. Like, we have to acknowledge um, that most of these countries have actually been going through a lot of political and economic uh, decline over years. And I can name like Niger, all these West or Central African places have actually been going through a lot of these issues. However, the corona situation we see has not just... Um, like worsen the economic situation, we also see that a lot of people are now fed up because, uh, for example, let's take Nigeria, which is the most populous nation uh, in Africa with around 200 million. And around 60% of this population is actually the youth uh, under the age 25. And one of the trends we're seeing is that a lot of unemployment is among the youth. Youth are probably the most affected and also women are the most affected by by uh, the economic decline. And we know that the corona, we can see from the global economic perspective that the situation with the uh, economy uh, around the world would get worse from starting from next year. We already seeing the effect of corona now. But one of the things we're also seeing is that a lot of this government don't have have not have the capability or the capacity to basically provide for their own um, populations. Uh, it can be education, it can be in terms of healthcare, and with a lot of them depending on uh, external aid, we see that most of those that was sending aids to them with a political attached to it, we see that a lot of them are, for example, France, they're very busy of taking care of the issues on ground now, um, as we see that most of them are also really, really hit by coronavirus. So this basically can be a really good opportunity for African leaders to take chance or opportunity to basically try and achieve a demographic dividend and political and economic development, or it can actually be a really, really bad situation where they don't take a chance of um, this opportunity. And suddenly what we see is actually a, a even more declined societies in terms of welfares, uh, in terms of growth in every areas, basically, and especially for women's, they will be the most affected. Mm, and we're seeing that all around the world. I mean, there was a there have been recent studies that that show that women um, all around the world are, are suffering quite a lot. So uh, yeah, I can only imagine. Um, it seems like you covered quite a bit, but Lai, do you have anything you want to add there? Yeah, what I, I want to say is just like um, uh, coronavirus is affecting Africa, you know, economically, mm. generally, and economically. Uh, so job job creating job and getting job is it has been very difficult you know there are a lot of students that have finished with uh with a good degree you know with a paper in their hand you know bachelor in their hand yeah. but they are looking for job yeah there's you know the job opportunity that was there is no longer there and now 
So most of these boys and girls are there without job and they are trying to, you know, to force it to, to get something to eat. Uh, to, they have to pay for their, their their horses, you know, they have to pay for transportation. So it, it it is not getting easy, it's getting difficult. So the problem is, as Bintu said, Zara Bintu said, that the government has to, you know, stand up and help and do some and do better. So I think uh, is very is the situation is not getting easier but uh, worse if there's not if if there's uh, if they are not getting supply external supply special for uh, for the population because when there is no job when there is no market market restriction on market restriction on uh, social contact so it becomes very difficult for to, to gain something. I just want to just point to a thing that. The, the the trend that we we seeing like with most African countries, especially the West African country, which is a combination of high population growth, if this continue with lack of uh, favorable economic and political conditions on ground, we are most likely to see more conflict in the region, uh, as we seeing now, and also radicalization of. Um, youth which will become a another issue of a terrorism so i think that it is an urgent situation and it has a global impact most importantly mm. uh i'm unfortunately gonna have to wrap this up but i wanted to ask both of you i mean the elections in guinea have already passed now uh and unfortunately there has been a lot of violence as we've already discussed um many people have been killed and then we have the ivory coast elections coming up uh quite soon this podcast will come out uh on thursday so the elections are on, are on saturday and i'm just wondering have you heard anything from on the ground do you have any contacts uh contacts in uh guinea for example and what is it like there right now so uh, in guinea now so it is uh, because the the current president Alpha Conde and uh, and Selu Dalanjalo, both of them, you know, Selu Dalanjalo declared himself as a winner, and he said that he get, um, he has evidence to support his uh, declaration. But what was wrong here? He he should never have declared himself as winner because there's electoral commission that can declare a winner, mm-hmm. but he don't trust electoral uh, commission. He accused them for, for, uh, for, for fraud. So, and then it become problem here. So, according to Guinean law, you cannot declare yourself as a winner. It is only electoral commission can declare you as a winner. Mm. So when he declared himself as a winner, so his supporter, his supporter, come out on the street, and then electoral commission said no, he did not win. Some days later, they declare Alpha Conde as a winner. So now, two persons in 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 a country, all of them said a win. <laughs> yeah. So Selun Dalen Jalo, he said he don't trust the election commission because of frauding, and he said he has been cheated in 2010, 13, 15, and this time he would never allow it to be cheated. So now, what what I'm thinking now, his his pol- uh, pol- strategy is like this. So he want population to come out to protest until to oster the uh, the president Alpha Conde, but Alpha Conde has soldiers, uh, military, 
get power, you know. So now it it become very it will be very difficult because he don't want to uh he don't want to uh give up and Alpha Conde don't want to give up, and now it become too much tension. So I've been hearing and reading that it has been uh, more than twenty people or to thirty people have been killed. Yes. But these are reports that cannot be um, verified, you know. But it has been coming out that almost up to thirty people has been killed, and and the the fighting now, uh, the battle now is not just in Conakry, you know, fighting between uh, protester and police is not just in Conakry, because in Conakry they have the opposition get majority in one commune that they call Ratoma, so in that Ratoma it too much supporter of opposition live there, and most of these people are Fulani people, you know. So and that's the reason we can hear a lot of Fulani people can say that we have been man- marginalized. We don't have a power, so they are shooting at us. So it become it become a lot of problem. But in Guinea, so Guinea is divided into four uh, region, uh, four four, four uh, landscape. For example, they call the other area uh, uh, one area. They call it uh, Guinea Moin Guinea Guinea. So where a lot of Fulani people live there and other area where a lot of Malinke people live there and other the third area where a lot of people from forest live there because people from forest, there are a lot of ethnic group. And in the capital area where a lot of Susu people live there. So now is fighting in, fighting is just like, uh, is in this region where a lot of Fulani people live and uh, but the other area, it is stay calm. So the problem is now, what happened if Alpha Conde don't cede power to Selin Dalinjalo? Will he continue to protest? Or the, or the whole country, citizen will pr- uh, uh, protest again, uh, with him? So that is the difficult now. And what can African Union do? Uh, what uh, can African Union and ECOWAS and uh, United Nations do? In this matter here, so can they force Alpha Conde to step down if he lost, or can they force Selim Dalinjalo to to agree to defeat? So, uh, uh, what I have experienced, election in Guinea has always been contested. Has all uh, you know, Selim Dalinjalo has been always uh, contested uh, about election. Mm. Uh, so the problem now, the United Nations and African Union have done the same thing to come to ask him to come down. So, but this time he said he will never come down. So what can happen? So if he doesn't come down, so it will be like, for example, the civilian will always come out to protest and the, the police will always try to force them in. And that become, that, that, will, in, that, that will lead to, you know, bloodbath, you know, people will be killed. Mm. So in that incident, we lead to radicalization of young boys it is, and girls. It is interesting that this has come to such a head, though, now, because as you mentioned, he has it has been contested before. He He's contested results before um, and d- disputed results before. But now it seems like people are really fed up. And so I guess that goes back to what Zahara was saying about coronavirus, perhaps, is one factor that, that is um, sort of leading to other exacerbating factors like economic ones. Um, 
But Zahara, why don't you wrap us up since uh, since unfortunately we have to end now? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a really big factor, like coronavirus, the impact of coronavirus on various aspects of the society. But also, most importantly, you, you also see more of the regional uh, ethnic division within one country spreading to another country and how that has implication on external involvement and I think this is why it's a bit different now than previous uh, election where you have more for example Celine Diallo he has more support from external power like Senegal and once you see that you see how um, people become more determined to actually fight for what they believe in it's their own right so I think in conclusion we can say that the it remained to be seen how the, the the outcome of this election would be. But one thing is for sure is that the, this election, whether that's Guinea or the protests in Nigeria or the upcoming election in, um, in um, Cote d'Ivoire or even the election in America, which will have also implications on the region itself. I think it remained to be seen what will take place. But one thing for sure is that this political tension will not stop now because there's not just a political tension, there's economic factors underneath, there's ethnical factors, and there's also um, other ex- exclusive policy which is driving this political uh, turmoil. So thank you. Mm. Thank you both so much. Mm. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for picking Prio's Peace in a Pod. This podcast is a production of the Peace Research Institute, Oslo. Prio located in Norway. For more information, visit prio.org. Editing, recording, and hosting by me, Indigo Trick Hauger. Music by Martin Rendemol.